0: My name is Trina Mays. I'm a women shepherd here. I am also a member of the Providence South Community Group. The scripture passage today comes from Psalm 19. The heavens declare the glory of God, and the sky above proclaims his handiwork. Day to day pours out speech, and night to night reveals knowledge. There is no speech, nor are there words whose voice is not heard. Their voice goes out through all the earth
1: Trina, once again, I'm Howard Brown, the pastor here at Christ Central Church, and um, this is our final sermon in this series, and so far, we have seen how God's Sabbath is about rest, renewal, relational reconnecting with Him and others, and today, again, we will, in this last sermon, we will explore how the Lord is calling and encouraging us all to enter times and seasons of God-driven and centered reflection and meditation for three reasons we will look at today. First, because we suppress the blessings of God. Secondly, because we are exposed by the Word of God. And finally, we are served by the Son of God. Suppress the blessing of God, exposed by the word of God, and served by the Son of God. One of the most memorable scenes and songs is from the motion picture production of the musical The Wiz. Some of y'all old enough to remember when that was out or have seen it. Starring Diana Ross and Michael Jackson as the Scarecrow, of course. Diana Ross is Dorothy. And it is a scene uh, that I remember uh, the most when the enslaved workers under the evil witch, aptly named Eveline, are freed upon her demise. And the sun kind of comes through the factory windows that have been darkened, and, and these slaves tear off their outer shelves, and out comes the beautiful Alvin Ailey dancers, singing and dancing can't You Feel a Brand New Day, right? Love that song. Watch it the other day. It was dancing around like the Alvin Ailey's. Well, not like them, just dancing around, okay? I think I got just a small feel and glimpse of that same thing on Wednesday and Thursday of last week. After on and off weeks of rainy and cold condition, the sun came out, Right? up to close to 70 degrees in some areas, and combined with that, the COVID quarantine and some of the restrictions on the way to be lifted, and whoo, can't you feel a brand new day? It is in us and natural to want to escape, to vacate, to rest our lives, and seek the pleasures and relief and effects of the natural world. And natural order and natural work cycles. It is natural to want what we have been made to receive and experience as God's highest creation from nature. The glory of God as verse 1 tells us here. With the added blessings with that of verse 7. A revived soul and being wise. Know how and meaning and applied learning. And then verse 8 of joy and clairvoyance about ourselves and this world. And then in verse 9, energy and righteousness. Or as we like to call it these days, just being centered. Just and okay and morally and rightly in the perfect space and at peace with God and each other in the world. And then verse 10, we, we all long naturally for the gold of the world and, and the exercise and enjoyment of resources and privilege and power. And then the honeycomb, it says, which is all about sensual satisfaction, food and music and sexual and relational intimacy and connection and, and plain out pleasure from creation and all the substances it gives us. It is in our bones It's the way we've been created to take in and soak up the created blessings of God. But this psalm is a call to experience more. More than we can naturally get. Because we, as the psalm teaches, naturally suppress the very blessings of God we long for. First, by being wrongly impressed by them to better understand the feel of this psalm, like a lyrical rap challenge from the God of the Bible who was constantly beefing, right, with the pagan gods of the world at that time who were all nature-based, like the sky god and the moon god and the god of the sea and then the most powerful god at that time, Ra, the Egyptian god of the sun. But this scripture is saying, and God is declaring that, that he is more than a fellow MC. He is producer. He is divine distributor. He is the lead singer and manager of all the rest of celebrities of creation. Look with me beginning at verse 1. And I'm going to put the emphasis according to what I believe it was originally designed to communicate. Look with me at verse 1. The heavens declare the glory of God, right? what the emphasis is, right? And the skies above proclaim his handiwork. Verse 4, at the end, he has set a tent for the sun. And like a bridegroom and running, runner running a course, right? The sun moves and acts gladly where and how it pleases God. Y'all see that? And the writer of the psalm wants us and them to know that all the natural things we enjoy, experience, and craft are institutions and systems and structures according to or out of or but background singers and signed artists for the God of the Bible's glory to communicate things about Him, the Lord, to us. That they will and should never be freed from their contract with God to go solo. They should always reflect the Lord. But here is... A hard part. Look at verse three. There is no speech, nor are there words whose voice is not heard. It says their voice goes out through all the earth, and their words to the end of the world. Right? This is a confusing sentence structure. So let me break it down this way. Right? <laughs> Ultimately, and I know it seems the opposite here, we can't quite understand or naturally comprehend what God has designed his creation to say to us. It is speaking, but not in our language. We hear and see and sense nature in God's creation, but it's easy to miss the meaning, right? We, we see a bunch of things that creation is saying, but we're, we're unable to put them together, right? They, back in Bible times, like us, were, were, were grooving to the beat, but, but they couldn't make sense of the lyrics. They, they, back then, like us, were suppressing and distorting the message and blessing of God's glory through natural things by being too or overly impressed by them. Imagine going to a concert right? Or, or, or a production. Imagine getting some really expensive tickets to Hamilton on Broadway when it was there, right? When the original cast was there. Or of the Lion King when the original cast was there. And you don't go in to see the show because you can't get over how nice and loving your usher is. Or, or you don't go in to see the show because the building and hallway is so 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 beautiful. So you stay out or sit there. Or, or rather, you go in, but then you sit there and turn around and look at the lighting the whole time because it is so bright and never looking at the action that it is pointing to. What a waste. This scripture is saying nature is speaking, but it's pointing us. It is, it is the light, it's the usher of God's glory. This is where we are naturally. We are called to reflect on God's glory through nature, to to kind of make sense of these words that nature is saying. But we end up letting it, nature itself, be the final destination. We let it be only our vacation, our experience in and of itself. And back then, they worshiped the sun as an idol god named Ra. And today, we are still driven, right? We're still drawn, we're still addicted, we're still convinced and motivated by the metaphorical sun. By the power, wealth, rest, joy, and pleasures that we can naturally produce or get out of creation. And that impressiveness naturally begins to oppress us. The very things we are impressed by begin to suck the life out of life and enslave us from being free to actually enjoy it. Look with me at verse 5 and 6. Which comes out, l- l- let me back up, verse 4. Their voice, nature, goes out through all the earth and their words through the end of the world. In them... God has set a tent for the sun, right? So, so we see the, the greatest uh, natural force the world knew back then, right? So much so, like I said, it's worshipped. And it's saying that, that God has set a tent for the sun, which comes out like a bridegroom leaving his chamber, and like a strong man runs its course with joy. Its rising is from the end of the heavens, and its circuit to the end of them. And there is nothing hidden from its heat. I can't completely pull apart this verse in the time we have today, but with the backdrop of the sun god of Egypt, keep that in your mind, along with the history of a people in the Jews of being slaves in the desert, put those two together. Now, don't use your your, your present-day American thinking, the sun was worshipped and feared because in their world, it was something that was not fun and vacation-y. Get that? The sun in this verse would have been harsh, would would have been brought up as something harsh, judgmental, and oppressive, and that's why it was worshipped. And this is where it's easy to miss this psalm. Because for most of us privileged folk, and for those of us who no longer live in agrarian farming world or work out or work do much work outside, some of us do, or who have never been enslaved or ever been a farmer needing rain when a, when there's a lot of sun, the sun is where we flock to, right? And and we brag about having and talk about I got some sun today. Did you get out in the sun today? We do it all the time. I'm going to what sunny Florida, and it's a good thing. But the people who would have originally received this psalm would have been like the sun is not all good. It beats on us when we work, it dries, it drains, it brings drought. And you know what we want? As the people who have to work in the sun and who live in the desert and who may be enslaved by it, we want the night. We want the evening. We want a tree. We want some shade. We want a cloud. We want a break. We need time when we can spend together as a family inside. See, the NIV translation that I grew up with reads this way. The sun, no one is deprived of its warmth. So I always thought this verse was about a good thing. But the better translation is the one you have here. Nothing is hidden from its heat. It's judgment for being in a broken world. And it shows us something, doesn't it? That if we live life as the writer of the wisdom book, Ecclesiastes, if you go back and read that one, reminds us that under the sun, for what only this natural world could give us and what we gain from it on our own without seeing God behind it and over it and through it, that that thing will eventually, like the sun, rule over us. It will determine our strength and when and how we work. And now gold and honey and refreshment are no longer blessings alone, but they become a necessary driven and addictive pursuit and struggle and desperation of what it means to be human here. where we are left trying to make and manufacture happiness, but we're stuck made and manufactured shade from the sun, and where we're left having to make and manufacture meaning and blessing out of life for our own sense of righteousness and hope because we can't read the directions that nature is giving us. So we rig life up. And it ends up being oppressive. Will you work for nature? more than this world working for you it becomes your master anything under the sun the sun the gold the honey become your master without seeing and having the lord speak to us about these this life and through this life the meaning of life is behind a mask right And this is what the sound of nature, it's a muffled sound. It's behind the glass. It's it's untouchable. And like the book of Ecclesiastes, what happens is we just go living life round and round, teased by this unreachable mirage of nirvana because we have suppressed the truth that will actually take us to the blessing that God has for us. But the second chorus of this psalm offers some correction. In his word. By his words, God comes from behind the sun and takes off his mask. And he takes off our blinders so that we are exposed not only to who he is, but who we are. So verse 7 through 9 give different names for God's, what I would describe as God's self-revelation or self-exposure in the Bible right? Look with me through this real quick. I'm not going to read it um, all, but I'm going to bring out these words. In verse 7, God's God's exposure, self-exposure revelation is called the law and the testimony. Y'all see that? Verse 8, it's called the precepts and the commandments. Verse 9, now it's a little different here, so I'm just going to spell it out. It's the effect of comprehending and seeing God, the fear of God, and then the rules of the Lord in verse 9. And if you notice, each one of these God-revealed and exposed terms formed these triplets. Look at at your Bible. Look at your word with me. I hope you see these triplets. First you have, in verse 7, the law, perfect, reviving the soul. You see that? Then testimony, sure, making wise. Precepts, right, rejoicing. The commandment, pure, enlightening. Fair, clean, and enduring. The rules, true, and righteous. And each triplet is made up of three things, right? The reveal method, number one. It's quality, number two. And then it's effect on us, number three. Triplet. The writer is saying the word of God actually, in exposing God, tells the meaning and story that we failed to get naturally and to give us the blessings that have escaped us. Being exposed to God's personal descriptives and, and testimony and character and will and intent and the word of God, the Bible, is the way to the revival we want. In the word, it's the way to the wisdom we seek, the joy and happiness that has escaped us, the clairvoyance we wrongly look to, man, some of us into astrology and mystical stuff and palm reading, and we just meditating just to meditate and all kinds of naturalistic stuff and books we're reading to get it. In his words, guess what? Are the security centering righteousness and freedom from guilt and condemnation we all deeply want? That that only comes, that kind of freedom, that kind of blessing, that kind of peace, that kind of joy, only comes when we listen to and apply the supernatural words of God from God instead of for and from our overexposure under the sun. And under a world, and in a way that will just burn us. There is no supernatural shade. There is no supernatural sabbatical and rest that we were to experience just by going. And I know I'm looking at stuff on my sabbatical. Just by going into nature somewhere beautiful or or drinking and eating enough good stuff. We need God to actually expose himself to our hearts and minds through the clarity of the word. And maybe we can enjoy the stuff in nature the way we're supposed to. But not just in exposing the Lord through his word, but it exposes you and me as well. Look through and think about these descriptives again, right? Revival. This comes through the word joy, purity, light, truth, righteousness, desire, sweetness. That's the word of God. Knowing and understanding how we tick and how we work. We want those things. Nature is, verse 4 is saying, is silent and not clear enough for us to gather enough resources. Not silent, but it's not clear enough for us to gather enough resources within ourselves and creation to naturally come up with an understanding of who we are and how we should live. You ever seen The Greatest Mistake on some of these National Geographic shows? They're like, um, I wonder how human beings work. Well, let's look at this group of monkeys, right? It's the, we're going backwards on that thing, right? We're looking at nature to learn how to live as human beings. Well, let's, look, look how this pod of whales lives together, and blah, blah, blah. Man, that really tells us a lot about us. What? You know what happens when we do it our own way naturally and understanding who we are? Some okay stuff, but with it, fake science and faulty social theories about race and levels of human beings and justification for mistreatment of people and resources and mismanagement of this world and abuses of all types and self-deprecation and devaluing and overvaluing. The psalmist says this in these words, right? It says this in verses 10 through 11, if you'll look with me. More to be desired are they, the word, than gold, even much fine gold. Sweeter also than honey and drippings of the honeycomb. Moreover, by them is your servant warned. In keeping them, there is great reward. Okay? And so the word is like, The description and direction is is the description, right? It's the prescription, rather, and direction for human flourishing. You want to know how to flourish? The law, the testimony, the precepts, the commandments, the knowledge of God, the rules of God. They're designed in giving us how to live righteousness. And it it, it, kind of helps us learn what it means to desire life and have sweet lives and enjoying nature and each other in the Lord. And so we expose ourselves, hear me, the word is like exposing yourself to God's exposure. God's rest, which is more than God's break from this world. It's rather him breaking into our world and breaking us free from the change of this world. But as the psalmist says later, meditating on the word, spending time with the Lord, applying it and learning and practicing and relegating it into our daily practice is the same thing as being exposed to God and as he is exposed to us, we get a clearer picture of who we are. The psalms throughout prescribe meditation in God's word most directly in the practice of morning and evening devotions or meditation times. And you can see why. Follow this imagery and illusion in the psalm. Think about it. That rhythm of morning and evening meditation and that practice gets your mind and heart exposed to God first before you go out, right? It gets you rightly before going out and getting under the sun, right? Uh, You go to him before the sun comes out. Getting under a world under that all-convincing and consuming sun, right? That powerfully attractive and powerful and sucking world, right? You, You get into God before going out into it. But there is a call also. Like we have a Sunday, sort of being in that strange place, like I said, at the end and beginning of our weeks. Imagine, at the end of each of our days, to return when the sun goes down to revisit. To fill your hearts and minds again in ways that's been sucked dry. To get into the shade and refreshment and correction and recentering of God's word and focused reflection. Dr. Peacock, our spiritual director for our sabbatical, has us on a daily regiment. That, right, that word sounds hard, I know. Especially for those of us who went through campus ministries. We had to have our quiet time. It got pretty legalistic. But I want you to feel this, this is freedom. But she's saying a, a daily vacation, hear me, into the word in presence of God. Not going out in the sun on the beach first but going under him first. Each day in ways that we have grown tired and forgetful and weary and chained in doing and have become burnt and at the same time captivated by this world to escape that into God's presence through his word. It is safe to say in this world, it is so powerful out there, right? The sun and the world and nature, you and your life and faith will not flourish, right? You you have not survived. It will not flourish without being blessed by God like you were created to be if you are not reflecting and exposing your life consistently to God and therefore who you are in the word of God. As good as that is and sounds, the word exposes something else, doesn't it? And exposing God in us. And Psalmist feels it. We begin to realize and feel and know that God and his word are as the psalm describes. You ever read the scripture, you'd be like, man, this stuff is just like the psalm describes. It's perfect. It's sure. It's right. It's pure. It's clean. It's true. It's desirable. It's sweet. It's rewarding. But we, as you will discover, are not And it is why the writer says this in verse 12. Look at this. Who can discern his errors? Declare me innocent from hidden faults. Keep back your servant also from presumptuous sins. Let them not have dominion over me. Then I shall be blameless and innocent of great transgression. So when you go into the Word, y'all, the psalmist is saying, "We look at the laws, precepts of the perfection of you, Lord, and are exposed to that. And what you want, as the word calls and causes me to reflect on you and me in this world, I find that what? I got all kinds of mistakes and sins and transgressions, and I'm enslaved to all sorts of behaviors I didn't even know about it. Wow, I thought I was thinking pretty good about myself. as he says, "hidden fault and transgression and blame and guilt. I find myself and feel, as verse 14 says. Unacceptable. When we reflect on the Word of God, I promise you our sin and sinful hearts and scars in the history and unseen depths of brokenness, of being abused and even abusing life under the sun, will be exposed our inside business will be brought out in the light in the spiritual autobiography class that Kelly and I had an opportunity to take in preparation for our sabbatical one of the, the first thing they had the group do is look in the mirror and look in that mirror for a long time what do you see i'm going to tell you it was a split decision Someone made, you know, I see, and I heard all kinds of things. Well, wow, I'm blessed. I'm someone made in having experiences and been exposed to God's joy. My life is okay. I'm here. I see some wisdom and, and perseverance and, and I've tasted this goodness. But guess what else you heard? I'm tired. I'm confused. I'm scared. I'm skittish. I don't want to see myself. I might see what's really wrong. I'm sad. That mirror, that perfect, righteous mirror is the Word of God. When it says light in verse 8, that the Word of God enlightens us, it is mimicking the qualities of the sun in verse 5 and 6. The only difference is the sun blinds you and only shows you what you are on the outside. But God puts the light of his holiness on it and you see so many unseen and and divots and scars and all of that stuff because truth, God himself through his word is shining on and in you, which means you will truly see much of your life of what it really is and isn't. So reflecting on the word of God and on creation should bring us here with the psalmist. Look at verse 12 with me. Who can discern his errors? Basically nobody he's saying, not without the word. (laughs) Declare me innocent from hidden faults. Keep back, y'all see these words? Declare me innocent, keep me back, right? Keep back your servant also from presumptuous sins. Lord, let them not have dominion over me. Then I shall be blameless and innocent of great transgressions. Let the words of my mouth, again, he's asking God, let them, the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart, let them be acceptable in your sight, O Lord, my rock and my redeemer. The word of God is brighter and hotter than any sun. And like it says, or any way you can look at it, any council you can go to, any book you can read, any astrology you can ever see, it's brighter and hotter. And like it says, it's why you should fear the Lord in verse 9. Because unlike the sun and our natural abilities, it never goes down. Right? Right? It always, it's always true. It always stands. It never goes to sleep like the sun at night goes to the other side of the earth. It's God always stands true and stands in judgment of your life and truth. God's holiness and glory, unlike the sun, does not go away. Our lies under the Lord are exposed and, and they're never out of view. We never live in unaccounted, unseen darkness. When we look at the word of God, we see there is no shade. From God's precepts and rules and commandments. I don't know if that's good news or bad news. It's both, ain't it? Because God's law is so perfect, so pure, so right, so bright, just being exposed to it will eventually itself undo you and me. It could. I could. I said could, and for many of us, has led to condemnation, which is just, just, just knock me down, Lord, just kick me out the, off the team. I'm unacceptable, or it could lead to something else that's more terrible, right? In 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 in, in churches, hiding behind a mask of protection against God's holiness and the exposure of sin. The law is good. Uh, Let me tell y'all, it tells the truth. It shows us God and ourselves, but the law and the word in and of itself are an impossibility to live under, just like the sun. The psalmist is almost saying, you think nature is beautiful. Wait, you see and hear about God. You think nature is powerful, strong, and consuming, and fearful, and will expose your frail and broken and weak places. Wait until you see and hear and live under God's word, right? Not even close. So the psalmist asks something revolutionary of the Lord. Look at verse 12. Look at what he asked the Lord. Declare me innocent. (laughs) Verse 13, keep me back. Don't let them have dominion. Make me blameless and innocent. Accept me. In a gospel irony of ironies. I know y'all tired. This has been a long day. This old school black church. We going long today. But in a gospel irony of irony. The one who calls himself God's servant in this psalm. Imagine a shepherd or field hand serving outside, right? Somebody at the job going to their manager, right? Realizes that he cannot please God and he stands condemned and convicted by the word of God. He asks God, his manager, his boss, something crazy in light of the rules of the company. He asks God to serve the servant. You see that? To show mercy to get this to not just provide shade out there so I can finish the job but lord can you come yourself and be shade and grace for and from your own glory he's asking lord My divine boss, can you not just hide me from the burn of my sin against you, but Lord, can you hide and keep back your righteous, true, perfect judgment from consuming my life? Can you not just hold back your judgment from me that I deserve, but can and will you hold me? from living life under the sun and not under you. Can you do what I can't do so I can get the blessing that only come from being perfect, true, right, pure, clean, and sweet? Lord, can you stop me from being the failure and tired old me that I am and disqualifying myself from what I see in the word of God from all of that blessing? That's like going to your boss and saying, I can't do the job. Can you just... Give me a pass. Boss, I'm tired. Can I get an extra half hour? I know I took the customer service job, but can you take the call? I know I took the job to to put roofs on houses, but can you somehow afford and, and, and build a tent over the house so I can do the work on the roof? And this is what we can assume in the ask. Not that the word of God needs a workaround, but surprise, the workaround was somewhere in how God revealed himself in the word. Hear me. In the laws, precepts, and testimony of the word, not only did the psalmist apparently pick up on the rules, but understood that there was grace in the word that through his meditation on the word of God, he saw a God that unlike the sun, which was all judgment and all the idols and living in this world that are all consuming and judging and burdensome and fleeting here right now and gone the next moment, that in the word he had tasted and seen and desired a God who would be sweet to him, who would be love to him, not just only judgment and harshness. We really get that, y'all. I know I don't. Because we don't believe or haven't been told that at the bottom of what on the surface in the Word of God seems like a bunch of do's and don'ts and this is and that and over here's and not over there's of the Bible is spiritual umami, right? A perfect combination of law and grace. We have a God who serves it up without any jam or tea for the fever keeping and showing it real, but who then turns around and serves you with it and in it. Look at this final verse. Let the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable in your sight. O Lord, my rock and my redeemer. Lord, Your word's right, true, perfect. And I'm going to fail. Can you still pass me? (laughs) Lord, when I look at your word, I need to look at your word, Lord. I need to know who you are. But as I look, I see beautiful things about myself. But all the nastiness, Lord, you're supposed to reject me. Your word says it. But can you just accept it, brother? Anyway, sabbatical and Sabbaths and times of meditation for on that, of pulling away, y'all hear me, to read and pray or so that that story will have time to pull out and section out and defrost and stew and melt down and melt away all the lies of the world and sin and where we can bring ourselves and we can bring ourselves out through it, right? And we can find and then know That we can dare ask God. Serve me. Help me. When I read your word. I called you. I called myself in this scripture. Servant. But after experiencing your grace. I'm calling you. Servant. serve my condition. I thought I was a servant in the scriptures. Oh, I got a slave and serve God. But boy, as I read your word, I'm I'm, I'm seeing the meaning of the scripture that naturally I can't see. But your spirit just told me, Lord, you know what the message of the Bible is? You are the greater servant. People like me. The psalmist is asking that the Lord in this world, back to the natural illusion, serve him by being my rock. He's saying, Let me hide. In the shadow and cave of your shade and protection from my sin guilt and condemnation and failure, which will require and mean this Lord, unlike the sun that has to stay on its course and just burn up everything, Lord, could you show some grace and come to where I am? Can you come into my day? Can you change, Lord, and, and according to my day? Can you come to my desert? Can you cover me where I see and am exposed in my brokenness and sadness and tiredness and misconceptions? We like to sing the song, Pass Me Not, O oh Gentle Savior. Lord, like the sun, will you not just keep going and pass me by, but will you actually stop and be a rock and let me hide under you? Are you willing, Lord? To do this, get this. Are you willing to come and put yourself between the judgment of the Son, of the law and the word on me? Do you mind putting yourself between that? Shielding. Accepting, helping me not be burned by the rays intended for me. Living as a broken person in the fallen world. Will you, hear me, Lord, will you take the heat? So I can enjoy my blessing? the blessing of my days on earth. Lord, will you, as verse 14 ask, be my redeemer. You know what it means to call God to be a redeemer? Any God at that time, it would have been, if you ask any God, it would have been over the top and extra to ask. You know what he's asking God to do? To be and act like his kin. His family. That's what redeemer is. To be akin to his suffering. To be his kinsman redeemer. To be a family member who comes to pay the price for some guilt or debt and saves the blessing of your inheritance. That would be lost if you didn't assume your place in a legal, if they didn't assume their place in a legal process. He is asking and saying, God, be my relative to relate, to be acquainted with, with, with my missing it and, and it missing me, which means somewhere in the story of God, somewhere in reading the Scripture, some way God entered his heart. He knew he could only be acceptable, that he could only be considered worthy of receiving the blessings of God if God would become his daddy, his older brother, his friend, his mama, his auntie, his papa, his husband, right? And that's exactly what Jesus did. He is the one who is ultimately the answer to the psalm. He is the Lord, our rock, and redeemer. He is the incarnation of our nature and God's word, common in one. In fact, the Bible tells us that in Jesus, God's word, God's perfection, assurance, righteous, purity, holiness, pleasure, sweetness, and reward came to us. He came under the sun to be our rock, to take our sins and our redeemer, to adopt us into the righteousness of God's family and to pay our debts. And now we hide within him under the sun. So we can reflect on the word of God. The Bible says, Jesus says, when I go away, I'm going to leave you a comforter, a Holy Spirit that when we read the word of God, guess who comes? The comforter. Because the rays are too bright and our sins are too dark. And this world is too harsh. He knew we needed the spirit that would come for this word to be a rock, a hiding place, a balm for us. And that's what we meditate on. That's what we meditate for. To get past just the rules and the do's and the don'ts and and even to get past just the beautiful world and the beach and the lake and all of that. We meditate because God's Holy Spirit comes and communicates in a language, right, to our soul. The comfort of God in a way where we will cry out. Not only let me be acceptable, my words, in my prayer, be acceptable. In Christ, I am acceptable. In Christ, I am accepted. And it takes time to get there, y'all. That's why I recommend re-meditate. That's why I recommend that we get from under the sun sometimes. Leave work. Sun equals work. Leave work. Honor the Sabbath. Leave the ways we're running for that honey and the gold the scripture is talking about. And take time to meditate with the one who promises in it all to be your rock and your redeemer. I'm going to go out on a limb and say some of us can't say that. <laughs> I know in a lot of parts and areas of my life, I cannot say it right now. I'm too burnt by the sun. I'm too impressed and enamored by natural things. By my flesh. This time of sabbatical is a time to Meditate to turn my heart back to the Word of God and allow the Spirit to help me survive. Not just survive God's rays of truth and justice, but flourish. I pray the same for you. To come back in, and again, I know some of y'all have been burnt by legalistic ways, trying to be self-righteous, Continue to meditate on the grace and mercy of God. And I pray that the words of my mouth, as with yours, and the meditation of our hearts are made acceptable by Christ, our rock, and our redeemer. Let me pray. Heavenly Father, thank you. This summer, especially when, if the COVID thing let up, we're going to see some beautiful stuff again. We're going to go outside. Some of us going to go hang out at the brewery with our friends. We're going to talk up. We're going to have a good time. Some of us going to go fishing on the same pier. we we all going to be together in the car going places, Lord. We're going to enjoy the sun and the mountains and the beach and the park. and We all want that some of us we're going to return to making some money the way it's supposed to be made right businesses opening back up all kinds of stuff but lord i pray that we would not return without with a heart that isn't consecrated through the word by your spirit and made good for us because of the work of christ jesus I pray for those who don't know you, who only know life under the sun. You only know one vacating situation and vacation and one pleasure after the other to keep themselves going. I pray that they would see there's more. There's a supernatural hope for their natural abilities. I pray that you would call their hearts to you, to call you their rock and redeemer, Christ Jesus. I praise you that for all your servants, you are the chief servant. Let us see that and know that, especially during this sabbatical time, we pray. In Jesus' name, amen.